What's poppin' everybody? This is Logan Murdoch, and I'm here with my co-host for the Real Ones Podcast on the Ringer NBA show, the incomparable, the realist, the man who invented the pregame Red Bull snow cone, Raja Bell. Thank you, Logan. You're far too kind, sir. Did you know that the Ringer NBA show feed now has six podcasts a week? Six. Every Sunday, Big Waz has a different guest from the NBA world on weekends with Waz. And you can find me and Raja every Monday and Thursday on Real Ones, where we cover all the most interesting NBA storylines. On Tuesdays, J. Kyle Mann and Jonathan Charks discuss up-and-coming talent in college basketball and the NBA. And on Wednesdays, you can hear Justin Verrier, Rob Mahoney, and Big Waz discuss any and everything going on in the world of hoops. Man, and on Friday, Chris Ryan and Searich Sohi ask the big questions on the answer. So head over to the Ringer NBA Show's Spotify page and take a listen. There's so much to dive into. And while you're there, just go ahead and give us a follow, too. It's the mismatch presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Hey, thank you for listening to The Void. Today we have a special episode focusing on the NBA draft and the Oklahoma City Thunder because we did a full NBA Finals preview on Tuesday's episode of The Mismatch. So to talk about OKC and the draft, I brought on my friend from The Ringer, Tyler Parker, as well as a new friend, Andrew Schlecht from The Athletic. How's it going, guys? What's up, buddy? Thanks for having us, KOC. Yeah, man. This is, uh, I'm very excited about this. I listen to the pod all the time. Uh, it's, very, it's an honor to be here. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Tyler. I appreciate it. Uh, I want to talk OKC today because, you know, of course, OKC has the number two pick in the draft. They also have the 12th pick in the draft. They have two other first, uh, one other first round pick as well as the 34th pick in the second round. So four picks in the top 34. They have more draft capital than anybody else right now. And they have kind of one of the the most intriguing young teams in the league with SGA, Josh Giddy. We see the importance right now in the NBA playoffs that we've been watching about having really no weak links in your defense, having size and versatility. And with OKC, granted they're young, granted they're bad, granted they have a top pick, at least in the in the wins column this past season. I'm still incredibly intrigued by their long-term potential with what they could do with the with the four picks that they have in this year's draft. So Andrew, just to Kind of start off, I guess let's let's talk about like where OKC developed, what what they developed into last year, and where they're going. Uh, just to start off with Shea Gildas Alexander, um, he had another good season, twenty four point five points per game. His efficiency was way down than what it was the season prior, the twenty twenty one season with Oklahoma City. Uh, what's your overall assessment of Gildas Alexander's development uh, with what we saw this past year? Yeah, the shooting definitely took a hit in the first part of the season. And that was a little bit of a concern, but he was getting worse shots this year. I mean, he's getting more double teams. I mean, the other teams were focusing on him totally because you throw Josh Giddy out there. And while he's a tremendous passer, you don't have to worry about him on the perimeter at all. Uh, then the second best score on the team is Lou Dort. He was great this year, averaged 17 points per game. Literally nobody cared if he shot the basketball. And so to have Shea out there creating stuff, it was tough for him. But one thing that we learned about him is like 
the left hand was a little bit of a question. Like, is he going to be able to drive and finish left? It looks easy for him now. Uh, that's one thing that he definitely developed. And then you look at the 13 games after the All-Star break. He was averaging 35 and 7 on 39% from three. Like, during that stretch, it didn't matter. Most of that stretch was without Josh Giddy. All but one of those games was without Josh Giddy. And he could do whatever he wanted. And so I think he's blossoming into the player that they would have hoped he could be. And if they can get some like real spacing, which they could acquire that at two and at 12 in this next draft, I think it could unlock something in him because he led the league in drives once again. Uh, he's going to be a tremendous offensive player. And the dude just has one of the most vibrant personalities in the NBA. I think that's something people don't know. I think people watch him play. They see he's on this crap OKC team. They think, oh, this guy, he's got to be miserable, right? I mean, he walks into exit interviews to talk about this wretched season, and he's just like, good morning, good morning, everybody. We're like, <laughs> like, who is that? Like, is that Thunder PR like, bringing donuts in behind me? Like, no, it's Shay. Um, is, he's just a delightful person, and I, uh, you know, if you're a Thunder fan, like, you have to be really excited that he's on the team. He seems like somebody that gives you hope, right, Tyler? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's the the thing that has made this rebuild far more palatable from day one was just like Shea's existence on the roster, right? You don't feel like you're starting at zero. You feel like you're starting with something, you know, substantial that can turn into something even more substantial. I mean, Andrew, talking about those last 13 games, I mean, he was getting downhill whenever he wanted to. And that's been the case for the last two years, really. But just especially then, whenever whenever his shot's right, that unlocks so much more for him going to the rim. And he's already dangerous there. Like Andrew's saying, with the left, he's better. But he's just added so much craft just in general, like in the lane with movement, you know, multiple euros into floaters with the offhand and things like that, that, you know, look weirdly repeatable. You know what I mean? They don't look, they don't look like luck. Right. Um, and, uh, he's got a little bit of Kyrie in him in these like kind of acrobatic offhand finishes and things like that, double clutches stuff. Um, you know, not your traditionally like, huge dude but he can take such big strides and and he's always on balance um and so yeah whenever his shots right it just makes him all that much more uh devastating to deal with like like andrew was saying though i mean it you know at times last year you're looking at a floor that's got you know darius Baisley on it who especially earlier in the year can't hit the ocean You've got Derek Favors, who's never been a shooter. You've got Lou Dort, who, like, last year and the year before that, weirdly, he's, like, just smoking from the corners. He was, like, 44% from the corners last year, 46 I think, the year before that. But anywhere else on the perimeter, and it's it's a big-time guessing <laughs> game, right? And then you got Giddy. There's, they're, you know, for big-time extended stretches, Shea is seeing every eye on the defense caring solely about him. You know, oftentimes, you know, he's like he's seeing two bodies on the ball. Right. But he's also got guys cheating up at the nail all the time. Like he's he's dealing with a lot. And I think it'll help him going forward. I think as he gets more space, it's going to be that thing where he's just sort of realizing like, oh, I didn't I didn't know how bad I had it. You know what I mean? Does that play into like the left hand improving? You know, because both of you guys mentioned how that got better for him. He was driving at top tops of the league last year, you know, and then the 21-22 season, tops of the league again and drives per game. But like what you guys are both describing with a lack of spacing, it seems like Andrew, like it kind of forced him, like, hey, I, you know, I can be even better, more efficient on these drives to the rim by expanding what I'm doing. Without a doubt. Like he's a guy that doesn't make excuses about like oh, I can't do this because nobody's there. Like He's just like, I'm just going to get better. Like he, he has supreme belief that he's going to be one of the best players in the NBA. And he continues to prove like through off-seasons and the work that he puts in and just the way the organization feels about him. You know, I think some people have questioned whether he would be a guy that could be on the trading block because he is entering his second contract. And you know, the Thunder want to stay young. They want to rebuild slowly. But I would 
I'd be very, very surprised if they're even having discussions about him right now. I think they think of him as one of the pieces moving forward. And what he was able to do this year really solidified that. Now, there were those rumors during the 21 draft about potentially moving him to get Cade Cunningham, who, of course, went to Detroit. At this point, you know, you get SGA only 23 years old. Uh, He'll turn 24 before next season in July. Still super young, just starting out his contract. You mentioned that close to the season for the last 13 games when he averaged 30.4 points, 7.3 assists, 5.8 rebounds, nearly 40% from three. I mean, the dude was absolutely crazy. But I remember I remember Mark Dagnall said around the time of the deadline, you know, Giddy's going to be the guy kind of running the show the rest of the way. But then he got hurt because because prior to that, oh, Giddy man. for like the last 15, 20 games was like a nightly triple double. But SGA yeah. wasn't playing at that time. And, but yeah. Giddy was really starting to figure out the way he can get to the basket and create his spots for mid range and create for others. So we didn't see those guys dominate together. Like yeah. Tyler, do you do you see those guys? Like, is it is this sort of disappointing we didn't see that at all, or or uh, like how do you feel about the fact that like the giddy SGA fit was never a plus at the same time? I think it is disappointing that we didn't get to see them together more. You know, late in the year, whenever you know Shea was really uh, right, and you know before Giddy got um, shut down. You know, I think three of his last four games he had had triple doubles you know what i mean like he was really really i mean the the the, the you know fillet of that right was the msg game where you know him and uh trey just go bonkers right? 28 super, points 12 assists 11 rebounds that was a crazy super game, yeah. super fun like crazy mm-hmm. shot making from trey and just like <laughs> giddy doing all of his whatever like if if somebody was like, what can he do? You would need to show them anything other than that game. Oh, right? yeah. Like he gave you all of the, the all the juice, right? Um, I I I think that the fit hinges in you know not entirely on Shea's shot, but you know how you feel about it depends on how real you think his shooting was early in the year last season. I think that like. Just based off of looking at past performance, you know, that's the last year is the exception, not the rule, right? Like that was, I think it was this special scenario with like what we talked about where he's just dealing with a lot more attention with a lot less, uh, you know, offensive firepower around him, particularly that can shoot. Um, and yeah, I think there was just a, you know, sort of an extended adjustment period for him there. If it's me personally, I think it will work because I, I think I'm a person that thinks shake and shoot. And, um, I think that as long as that can happen, particularly because of Giddy's size, I think it can work. It. um, I'm still super worried about Giddy's shot. In the, okay, so yeah, in the cal- in the 2022 calendar year before he got shut down, he was not shooting the ball well, but he was making 77% of his free throws. And so if you're like a person who's trying to feel good about his shot, that's what you hang your hat on, right? Like that's what you go to. And it wasn't on some crazy number of attempts, right? Like he needs to be able to get more pressure going to the rim. He needs to be able to use his strength and his size to be able to get downhill a little bit more be a little more effective there that can, you know, negate some of the shooting issues that he has if he can, you know, finish down there. Um, But that he was shooting it decently for a decent chunk of time. That's the thing, like the, the, the OKC Homer in me who wants Giddy to be there for 15 years and, you know, be an all-star like that's what I'm, that's what I'm hoping for. But he's also changing his shot supposedly this offseason. And that's always like a thing that is scary to hear. So I, I'm optimistic, but certainly understand someone being like, I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think it's all about the pieces around those two, honestly. like They both have tremendous talent. They had one of the worst supporting casts around them. It was like a mystery box of players. Like they didn't, The Thunder didn't even know what they had in these guys, honestly. like They're just throwing guys out there, just trying stuff. And you have two facilitators, you have two guys that operate well on ball with zero guys that have gravity 
you know, outside <laughs> of those point. two. Yeah. And to me, it's why it was so important for them to get the two pick. And even this 12th pick are going to be really important to like what is going to happen with this Thunder team because to me, it's all about what kind of weapons can you put around those two because they're going to unlock a lot of stuff uh, for whoever they get, whether that's Chet or Jabari or Paolo or whoever else they're able to get at 12. Like it's going to, it's going to make that process a little bit easier for them. And like to me, the giddy stuff, I think, will work itself out. That dude is insanely competitive. He wants to win so badly and wants to improve his game in whatever way he, he can. And he's not afraid. You know, he, yeah, he wasn't he's, good he's, from three, he's got it. But he's not afraid. Yeah, yeah. He's not, he's, he didn't seem like the type of guy that was going to, to back down, which was very you know, encouraging to see. I'm with, I'm, I'm with you for sure. They have tough players, you know? Like, I, I think SGA personality-wise, Giddy as well, those guys are competitors. Uh, it's, it's just like when you're, when you're building a roster together, uh, the weaknesses for them, respectively, in their own ways, is Giddy is a shooter, SGA is a shooter. What level is he really? Like, we've seen SGA what he is when he's shooting 40-plus percent from three. We've, we've seen stretches and moments from Giddy in time where it's like, oh, yeah, the mid-range has fallen. He's hitting his three, like that Knicks game you mentioned, where it was like, oh, this is what it could be like in five years when he's right. a more consistent shooter and these nights happen more regularly, even if he's never a, a 40-plus percent guy over a full season. If he's 36, 37% at six foot eight with his, you know, magical playmaking ability and his versatility and the fact you can plug him into different positions and different types of sets, dribble handoffs, top of the key, you can use him as a screener and have a role. Like there's so much you can do with Giddy. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. That's where with this OKC roster, you're right. It's so exciting with them being at number two because with Jabari Smith out of Auburn, the guy that current reports say is the primary target for Orlando at number one, or whether it's Chet Holmgren, the big center out of Gonzaga, shot blocker, uh, led, led the college basketball in shot blocks per game last year as a freshman, or whether it's Paolo Bancaro, who's you know more of a scorer out of Duke. It's, it's pretty easy to see. All three of those guys fitting in OKC because of the playmaking and the types of style of play that uh, Giddy and SGA bring. With that said, though, uh, we all have our favorites. Um, so at the number two pick, let, let's just keep all three on the table and forget about Orlando at number one. Because being totally honest with you, when it comes to draft stuff, it's hard to know what to believe. Because I've heard yeah. a lot of the same of what everybody said, that Jabari Smith is the guy for Orlando. But how much of that is just, just, you know, speaking hypothetically, how much of that is, is Orlando trying to create leverage because they know OKC or Houston or some other team wants him. And so they're making it seem like they want him at number one, even though they actually want Chad or Paolo or whoever else. So like, right. I don't I don't really put too much into anything that I hear about what could be happening at number one with a month ago. Um, so let, let's just assume Jabari, Chet and Paolo are all options for OKC, whether that's at two or whether that's a trade up to one. Let's just assume <laughs> yeah. they can choose who they want. Sure. Uh, Andrew, who is your preference for Oklahoma City? Give me Chad Holmgren, baby. I think you got to keep it weird, number one, because this team is already weird, and the weirdest direction to go is obviously Chad Holmgren. <laughs> Defensively, <laughs> he fits in so perfectly. I mean, they need a rim protector. They need a guy that can provide defense in the middle. I mean, they they did well last year, surprisingly defending guys like Jokic just because their team defense was on a string. And that's a credit to Mark and his team because the defensive talent, there was like two guys that you felt pretty good about. And the rest, you're like, I don't know how they're going to make this work. And they did at during stretches. They were like a, a top half of the league defense, you know, at points in the season last year. And that's just like, that's Mark. Um, but the 
the stuff that Chet can do offensively too, we're talking about like if he's within five feet of the basket and he catches the ball, he's going to finish. Um, he loves to dunk the ball. I think he will shoot it from three. I think he will demand gravity on the perimeter and in the paint, which is what the Thunder need. You know, they need somebody that the defense cares about. And to me, he's kind of like this ultimate upside play finisher, defender, weirdo that the Thunder need. Do you agree with that, Tyler? All my belongings on the table, yeah. I think I do. I, it, it changes hourly, honestly. And there, I still have a big-time soft spot for Paolo. Yeah. Um, just because I think that, you know, off-the-dribble shot creation is just about the most important offensive skill you can have in the playoffs at this point. And somebody that can do that at that size, um, you know, they're not going to come into the league every year. Uh, and I think that Paolo, um, just with, within an NBA offense with, you know, the spacing that that, you know, automatically can provide somebody, uh, yeah, I just, I, 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 it's, it's, it's hard to, um, uh, not like let that take over my like, oh, I really want that. You know what I mean? I just, I, I do get worried about the defense. Um, it, uh, you remember like when Ben Simmons was at LSU and everybody was just sort of like, is this mm. guy, does this guy going to try? And then he got to the league and he's like one of the best finishers in the league. Yeah. Is there any chance? I, I know he doesn't have, I know, I know Paolo isn't like, like laterally side to side, right? Like he's not what Simmons is and he's not as, you know, maybe like, um, uh, you know, explosive, a, a leaper or something like that. Right. But is there anything to do? You, is there anything to just like he was in college and he wasn't trying? <laughs> like, is there anything to just, and then he will when he's in the league? I, I think, I think there's an, an element of that. Um, I mean, like you said, he's not necessarily like the, the elite athlete, you know, that Ben Simmons was at LSU, which is why it made it so disappointing why Simmons wasn't trying. It's like this right. guy gave up on his team with Ben Caro. I think we saw like little glimmers of what his potential defensive versatility. And I think with him, I mean, it's interesting, like, after his year at Duke, the feedback is, well, how much does he care? Blah, 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 all this and that. But this is a guy who, you know, when he was in high school, he's been making an investment for years, working with trainers to improve athletically. Like, everything I've heard is that he is someone who busts his ass. Like, he works with this guy, Michael Knight, up there in Washington, where he's from. And, like, that's all, all like, this kind of, like, not just, you know, dribble, dribble, you know, your trainer's rebounding for you, but, like, working on your body and your hip flexibility and your movement. Like, yeah. he's made that investment over the years when a high schooler, not all high schoolers are doing that, you know? I mean, you don't develop that, like, off-the-bounce kind of package that he's got without being, like, a serious totally. worker. Like yeah, you're in the he, gym all the time for to get something yeah, to yeah. get that that one hundred percent. I mean, I, I think with Ben Carroll, I mean, I haven't ranked first on my big board at the current right. moment. Um, I'm you know I was still collecting you know intel on all that over the next month. We'll see if that changes. It's close between them, which is what makes the top of this draft so fascinating. But like Andrew, you're right with Chet, um, the defensive fit. You know what he provides is kind of like a. Someone someone compared him to uh, a weird body Al Horford recently to me. Kind of <laughs> like somebody who, like, he brings that defense, right? But he yeah. also, he's not a starter for your offense, but he's a finisher. He can catch and, you know, catch and shoot threes. He can attack yeah. off the bounce, make the right pass. And, and that's the area where I think Holmgren, like, he, his game at Gonzaga, they asked him to make entry passes to Drew Timmy over and over and over again. He had no yeah. opportunities to create yeah. and generate offense, bringing the ball up the floor, initiating dribble handoff actions, short roll playmaking, just like he did in high school. Like we saw him so, show so much more as a passer in high school. So like the, it works with him. It was pretty nuts going back and looking at Chet's like uh, his box scores, you know, even later in the year, just, not getting a ton of shots and I mean, you know, definitely deferring to Timmy and them hard down the stretch, you know, for Timmy's a great college player. I don't know what it'll be like in the league, you know, um, but, but, uh, you know, I get, a, I get a freshman kind of needing to, especially with a dude who's been so successful in college as, as Tim, like I, yeah. I, I, I get him not, I get Chet not being like, hey, get out of the way, <laughs> you know what I mean? But, you know, when it's like against <laughs> Memphis, even with the foul trouble, like, you know, whatever it was, seven shots, like you, 
But then I, I keep thinking about the Evan Mobley stuff, right? Whereas like how overplayed did that wind up being? The, all, yeah. You know, all, all that sort of stuff. And um, and if he is just the lone big on the floor with a lot more space, you know, you know who's to say he couldn't, you know, face up and, and you know, eat the way Timmy could in the post. So it's it's the, the thing that I keep coming back to w- with that, I think it was Giveny. I saw like it was like a, he was like the only player in NCAA history to average 14, nine boards and three blocks while shooting over 70% from two Crazy. and 40% from three. And he like, wow, that was like, that was like going into the tournament, I think, those stats. And he wound up a little below 40. But like, I don't know. That's like, it, it's, it's, it, especially with the way the league is now, right? Like, wh- what do you need? You know, you, I was saying earlier about those dudes that can, you know, create off the bounce and stuff like that, how important that is. Like the other type of dude is like that, like big that can do a lot of stuff on both ends, right? Like this like super versatile guy that can, you know, the, the, your, your, your bams of the world. Right. And the idea that he could be, you know, a supercharged version of that is very, very exciting. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to get beyond, um, like, being worried about him being skinny because I know yeah. that, that just, I know that that just sounds like very, like just sort of, you know, basic and, you know, la- lacking any nuance, but it, it does just like, it's hard to not worry about that. If he does, if the best offensive version of himself is as a five, like, it's just hard to not worry about that. Is it, like like you were saying earlier, Andrew. I mean, maybe it doesn't. Maybe it doesn't matter until you get to the Jokic's and MBs of the world. Like maybe you just you know. But but yeah, I. I guess I'm not saying anything now. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the competitive fire stuff too is real. Yeah, he's yeah well. he's got yeah he's he's, he's like, that's something. Yeah, I like that about him. And also the the Josh Giddy Instagram stuff with Chet too. Oh, they are flirting, aren't they? They're coming I mean, little flirt. It's, <laughs> it's totally it make, feels just, like it's gonna happen. They're I making mean, eyes. <laughs> unless I mean me just putting on my conspiracy theory hat again here, unless Presty put Giddy up to that as smoke signals. <laughs> oh, I'm, oh, I'm just, Samuel. I'm just saying <laughs> hey, Get on I your remember. Instagram, Josh, and, <laughs> and if you could just do a few eye emojis for me, <laughs> that would be great. I remember last year before the draft, Evan Mobley put up some post like where it's some sort of chicken place. He was, was like sponsoring him or something. And Shay commented like, "Oh, great! I'm not gonna have to pay for uh, you know chicken anymore." <laughs> yeah. And in my head, I was like, "Something they know. <laughs> it's gonna happen." Uh, so, like, we, the one guy we haven't talked about here is Jabari Smith. Uh, I, yeah. I, uh, Andrew, tell me why Jabari Smith should be the pick. He's the easiest one to imagine in Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. He is a floor spacer. He is just going to take and make a crap ton of threes at the NBA level. And with the creators that Thunder have, it's just almost, it's it's too easy to picture because we had Mike Muscala doing what he will do at the NBA level last year for the Thunder. And he came in and he was insanely productive. Too productive. Just because he could shoot it. Like, that was it. <laughs> and it helps every single lineup. Yeah. And with, a, a guy that can actually play 35 minutes and defend multiple positions. And I mean, it's, it's really easy to picture Jabari in a Thunder jersey and what it would look like. That's, I think Thunder fans have a hard time wrapping their mind around what Chet will look like. And maybe they don't even want to know what Chet will look like because <laughs> you, you see him and it's just like, man, he's just so skinny. I just don't know. Uh, Paulo's a weirder fit. Still, I think he would be great with those other two and but Jabari's just like he's just so easy oh yeah he shoots and people have to guard him great plug him in so like one of the things like you mentioned the appeal earlier Tyler of Bancaro because of the shot creation and how that's the hardest thing to find you know when you're building a playoff team having guys who can generate shots and we saw him do that um, in big games for Duke with Jabari Smith, the criticism of him is is the opposite right like it's it's the fact that oh he's a knockdown shooter he's a great defender he can attack like in a straight line off the dribble, but he's not somebody who is finishing at a high rate. He wasn't getting to the basket necessarily. He was pulling up, settling for a lot of jumpers. Right. And when it comes to self-creation, he's not much of a playmaker. However, 
one of the thoughts on my mind with that is, well, if you're pairing Jabari Smith with other handlers like Giddy and SGA, the level that he needs to reach as a ball handler, like he doesn't need to become a A plus or even an A minus ball handler. He, if he can get to like C plus, B minus, and be that guy who's potentially being defended by some weaker on ball perimeter guys who are going to have to take the primary matchup against Gildas Alexander or Giddy, that's where I'm like, oh, maybe if he's going against those dudes, he's just going to be wreaking havoc playing off of others being the secondary creator. So, I don't know. Like, what are your thoughts on the Jabari Smith fit? Like, given given what you said about the importance of Bancaro's creation with what he could do for OKC, I'm with Andrew that it would be a pretty seamless fit. In that, like, when you go back and look at the just the like quality of shots Shea would get when Muscala was on the floor and like Muscala was the screener and you know pick and roll action stuff like that. When you go look at the quality of shots Shea was getting. Just off of that, how much better they were. It's hard to not think about um, just how much harder he'll be for a defense to deal with whenever there's somebody popping back that people have to worry about. Um, you know, especially when that guy can't get played off the floor um, and, like you're saying, and can, you know, guard across potentially all five positions. Um, I, I keep. I keep going back and forth on how much it matters that he, you know, struggles off the bounce right now. I, I, I'm with you that, you know, you, you don't want to take the ball out of SGA and get his hands that much. Um, my concern is, is our, our SGA and get it, you know, if, if you're projecting the team out and if the goal is to be able to be a team that can get to the finals and maybe win it, you know, is is SGA the A number one scoring dude? And if he is, then great. And if he's not, then can Jabari be that? It feels like the only way he could be that level of scorer is if he does add the handle. Um, but then I also don't know how much I'm am I like am I discounting his size? Am I am I not taking his size into account enough? Like how easy he can get his shot off against anybody. Um, I don't know. I waffle so much on him because then it's like, is he has he gotten a little bit too reliant on his size? Has he not felt like he has to develop these other aspects of his game because he's so tall and he can get his shot off? Is he just always going to be happy, you know, firing 20-foot fadeaways with hands in his face whenever he's got driving lanes and stuff like that? I don't. I don't. I don't know. I, I. I would be happy with any of these dudes. I would be stoked with any of them. You'd, you'd um, be happy with any of them. How angry would be would you be if it was a surprise? Somebody else, Shade and Sharp, Jade and Ivy, <laughs> something out I of know, Shade and Sharp. A, a, tr- a, tr- oh. a trade down. Uh, oh, you're you're you oh. look very angry. Are you rolling your eyes over there, Andrew? What happens if uh. it's a trade down? They want more picks. All, all, <laughs> all your yeah. picks are belong to Presty. Goodness. <laughs> Yeah, that would be a little frustrating because, like, the word is just like it's all about top three guys, and it's all about getting the guys at the top of the draft and how much they matter. Look at NBA history, and then it's no, we're going to trade down to take this guard who can't finish with his left hand. It's like, oh, come no. on, man! And the thing is that they—it feels like they've set up this roster to take on like a a shot making big impact big, right? Right. Like, they don't have anybody like that. Like, they drafted Jeremiah Robinson Earl last year and were very intentional about playing him at the four and the five all year and switching that up so that he could be as versatile as possible. Like, they're setting this team up for a guy like this. And then you... I would just be floored if they took Jaden Ivey. Just, it it complicates things in the, in the immediate for them because then it's like, okay, well, are you going to pay Lou Dort? and bring in Jaden Ivey? Like, you're really going to do that? I don't know that they should, so you have to make a decision a little bit faster on on Lou and how you're going to deal him or whatever you're going to do. To me, the, the talent at the top is in these big guys. And, like, whatever it is that he gets, like, if he's able to get, like, maybe if it's two unprotected picks from the Kings, it's like, okay, well, that's, you, that's stupid. Like, you probably have to do that, but... People have been suggesting, like Sacramento fans, are like, well, we could trade four and a top five protected pick next year. It's like, get out of here, yeah. get out of here with that. Like, that's 
that's not it. Uh, I I would be happy with any of the bigs, but to me, like especially if it was Shade Sharp, I'd just be like, man, you you've got to really know something, and I don't know how you know it. I don't know how you're getting your information. It's that Cana- but- Canadian connection, SGA and yeah. Sharp. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, that's good intel. That's that would be the only logical thing is like, listen, Sam is does not want American players. Like he just wants Canadians, <laughs> international guys. Like that's that to me would be like, all right, okay. But yeah, I would be. I don't know. I, what do you think of Sharp? I don't know. I don't know what to think about him. I've watched the. I, I'm calling it propaganda that's being put out on Twitter where he's going like half speed and like doing dunks. It's just like, this is nothing. Like, yeah. Don't do this to me. Like I saw Gerald Green do this kind of stuff. And like, if you compare the two, like man, Gerald Green would be the best player well, in the whole NBA. Gerald you know, Green just, once blew out a candle while dunking a ball. He did. Yeah. He did, I mean, absolutely. great player. I mean, I, I, I remember, so when, when Joe, the Celtics drafted Gerald Green years ago, uh, I was like, this is the guy. We got yeah, the steal of the I draft. <laughs> I was at Oklahoma State when he was supposed to be coming. Yeah. It was my freshman year, and Gerald Green was supposed to be. He was like the chosen one. It was a big deal whenever we, he committed. It was a huge deal. In Oklahoma, oh. in Oklahoma basketball circles, when Gerald Green committed to Oklahoma State, it was oh, like, man. whoa, are we driving to Stillwater? When are we going? Like Exactly. It was like yeah. Mario Bogan, Byron Eaton, <laughs> yeah. and you know Gerald Green. I was like, this is my, this is my new life. This is amazing. Yeah. But he did blow out the candle. He 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 had he had his dunk <laughs> contest moment. Candle. He had a great career. I think I, I think, I think that should be the name of the pod. But he did blow out the candle. <laughs> <laughs> he was uh yeah. I, I w- I'm glad Gerald Green. At least he had a long career. He played 12 he years in the NBA. Yeah. How crazy is that? Right? Like that is wild. still kind of a bust in terms of like expectations out of high school. But for an 18th pick, hey. 12 years in the NBA, made tens of millions of dollars. Good for, good for him. Watching good for that, him. watching some clips of that, of Kendall Brown from Baylor, there's oh. like, in the way that he jumps, like, there's a little bit of the, there's, they have, they, they like float similarly. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like a, there's, there's nothing, there's so effortless. And, and just like the, how high they can get and dunk with two hands. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. How about so? All right, you asked about Shaden Sharp. I want to keep it on Shaden Sharp. Well, instead of a trade down, let's let's mm-hmm. let's instead of viewing him through the lens of a trade down or a surprise at two, let's view him through the lens of a trade up for mm-hmm. a second. Because OKC has 12, 30, and thirty four, and five hundred first round draft picks and second rounders in the coming years, and they have some appealing young guys they could potentially flip if they really wanted to. Like if they wanted to pick up Lou Dort's option and throw him into a deal to a team. Like you can do that. Like they have got appealing guys in their roster. Kenrich Williams, uh, like Jeremiah Robinson Earl. There's a number of appealing guys on OKC. Trey Man too, for that matter. So maybe if they were to trade up from 12, I think with Shaden Sharp, like everything you guys described about the need for creation, the need for end of the clock scoring, the need for you know more good sturdy defensive players. Sharp isn't there defensively yet. Um, but I think the effort there, the will, the will to get better is there from what I hear about him in terms of his work ethic. And offensively, you're right, Andrew. The empty gym stuff, it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. Like that, it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. But the EYBL production, his high school production, this guy's a bucket getter. He can create his own space from the perimeter to get into a three-point jumper. I think there's been some talk about like how much is he willing as a passer. Um, you know, there's been so many clips I've seen of him where he has opportunities to score, but he's making the extra pass. And his responsibility and his role was to score. So I don't, I don't mind as much sometimes when he's doing that, but I've seen enough where it's like, okay, I think he has a desire to pass. He has some vision. It's just, just about being empowered in a role in a situation. And I imagine, like, I get excited about his potential fit on a team like OKC or another team that values moving the ball, sharing the ball, having different guys get touches. And I think if, you don't have a choice but to conform if you're playing next to Giddy, the way he moves the ball, and SGA. I think if you're drafted into a situation like that, you can't be a ball stopper. I think you have to keep it moving. So, I mean, I guess with that in mind for him, uh, is is he kind of a a preferred, like in the event of a trade-up in the middle of the lottery from 12, is he kind of one of the guys that you guys like most, or are there other any other names in the lottery where you're like, oh, I'd love to see him on Oklahoma City? Sharp would be super interesting, and the ceiling, you know, offensively is super high. Like, you know, the like, the 
threes off the bounce with range, you know, like being able to do that from, um, from distance is, is, uh, special. And I, I, I get the, um, being pumped up about the athleticism. Some of the like Wiggins comps scare me. Like I know Wiggins like finally got there, you know, but I, I don't, I don't know if the Thunder are trying to wait seven years, um, for, you know, <laughs> for sharp to hit. Um, I like Dyson Daniels is oh, yeah. like a guy who, you know, I, I, it, it seems like he just keeps kind of shooting up boards. And so I, I, I don't, I don't even know if that's, if he's the type of guy that, um, that, that a team would be willing to listen to an offer for, you know what I mean? But, uh, his, um, at that size, uh, defensively, he could just be so good. Um, uh, fighting through screens. It just seems like when you see him, it could be really special on, on that end. And, and the type of defender that everybody's looking for a guy that can guard these unbelievable wing scores. Right. Um, and, uh, it just, it seems like that people underestimated, you know, his potential ceiling offensively. Like, it seems like he might be able to do a little bit there. And, uh, you know, especially in a situation where, um, he's going to be with SGA and Giddy and he can, you know, attack some closeouts and things like that, catch some defenses in rotations, be not, not, not have to deal with such complicated reads and, and everything, just kind of make the game simple for him early on while he's young and getting his sea legs. I think it could be a, a really good situation for a dude like that. Um, that, that would be, a, that was a, that's like Daniels, I would be super duper pumped up about, but I know that there's, chances that he's not there right yeah yeah i'm a, i'm big on ben matherin yeah i just yeah, think yeah. like the off-ball movement stuff that he can do or that he showed at arizona like it's perfect with josh giddy like we, we saw kendrick williams who would just like make really simple cuts and he would josh would find him and just be like why how did he do that just like imagine a guy who's six six like crazy athletic you know i I think that there's a match there. I like the the vibe too. Like his like mm, his attitude on the good, court. Man. Like he's like there's he's got he's he's um not afraid. Yeah. Yeah. He he's definitely <laughs> is definitely not afraid. I mean he'd fit it fit right in with Giddy and those guys for sure. And you know what? Like some of Canadian the, too. Yeah, Canadian, Canadian. Oh, Canadian wow. too, yes. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Some of the names we're talking about here, you know, I, I pose the question as trade up, and I say that only because OKC has so much ammo. Like they can, right. they can, they can really move where they want to within the draft. So, but you know, whether it's like it moving up to seven or whether it's staying at twelve, what what are the types of players, or are there any specific prospects, Andrew, that you think OKC should be targeting in that range? Yeah, I really think shooting has to be one of the aspects that they target here whether that like Matherin doesn't seem like he'll be there at 12 but maybe he is um i think that a guy like aj griffin is pretty interesting Mm. there 
Uh, if you're an AJ Griffin truther, like it's a real easy spot to put him because the Thunder needs shooting. He was a lights out shooter. He's crazy young, you know, only 18 years old still. Uh, I worry about the injury stuff and about just how heavy he looks as he's running up and down the court. Uh, those are the things that concern me the most. But, you know, if if maybe Duke was hiding some of his creation skills within their offense and he can kind of blossom somewhere, to me, he's a guy that I. it's very possible that he's there at 12. And it's a, it's another swing. And if you're swinging on a guy who's 6'6 and built like a brick house and can shoot the ball, it's like, all right, like I'm, I'm in on that kind of prospect. Uh, I think that some people are, some Thunder fans are terrified that Thunder will interview Jeremy Sohan and just be like, yeah, that's our guy. <laughs> um, and just have like Andre Robertson PTSD mm-hmm. where he's like not shooting the ball from the perimeter. Um, but I love him and I love his story. And I would actually be super pumped if they drafted, if they drafted Jabari or Chet and paired Sohan with one of those guys, I'd be like, Mm. in because like it's crazy switchy the competitive fire that you get from those two and giddy and dort like i know they're going to struggle to score the basketball at times but holy smokes man like that defense is is like boston celtics type of defense from those kind of guys when you envision what they could be uh and the guy dyes his hair different colors like it's just <laughs> a, lot, a lot of cool things about him he has a british accent but he's Polish and was born in Guymon, Oklahoma. Like the the story is just so funky. <laughs> he that was I'm born just, in Guymon. Yes, bro. Guymon. Panhandler. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. I just looked it up now. Born in Oklahoma. Yeah, his mom. So his mom was a professional basketball player. Played for this tiny team in Guymon, Oklahoma. Huh. He was born there, and she was. Polish, I believe, and then he he actually like plays on like the the national team there, and wow. then he played with Jaden Ivey for like a minute in high school when he came over to the United States, but then got sent back and played for Germany. Like I knew the he, story, I knew he, just, I knew he like bopped around. The yeah. guy, the yeah, the the that Guyman had a professional women's basketball team at that point is blowing my mind too. I'm just saying, Tyler, you need to re-examine the, the Guyman aspect and the hair aspect I mean, when honestly, you're thinking about him. And don't dismiss him so quick. I watched the Carolina game and I was like, I don't know, man. Are you like a little dirty? Like, are you like a little bit like, do you do? Are you going to are you gonna make me have to like defend you and feel bad about it? Like, am I going to have oh, to defend yes, you on Twitter? But like, no, I'm yes. wrong. You know what I mean? Like, and, yes. And yes, but that's okay. You need those guys. You, d- you have you to, do, if you want to compete, you have to have those you guys. You do need the guy who nobody likes but would love if he was on your team. You do yeah. need it. You do need it. I just I don't know. But man, he is for but then he's from Guyman. What do you do? And he's got a he's a, he's from Guyman with a British accent. <laughs> I know. I mean, come on. <laughs> and the dyed hair. And the dyed hair. There's just there's too many things well, not to like also, about him. The, I mean, the thing about him is like and this is just for, from an entertainment perspective, but I would love for them to leave the draft with somebody who can jump, who can catch some lobs from Gideon yeah. SGA. I would love to have yeah. somebody who, um, who can can, you know, get out on the break and fly a little bit. That would be mm-hmm. that just from a you know, you know, Showtime perspective. Yeah, you want to have fun watching your team, yeah. Andrew, Andrew. You mentioned uh, they'd kind of be Celtics esque. In terms of like how they'd be building out their potential defense, I mean that that's the thing that's so you know kind of exciting for me with this Oklahoma City roster. When you think about there's a possibility SGA could be the smallest, lightest player in some of their lineups. Yeah. Like if the, as they build this thing out, you know you look at their draft history, whether some of these guys work out or not. Alexei Pokushevsky with his size and his playmaking, or whether it's Baisley, even Trey Mann has some height to him. He granted he's leaner right now, but you know, Williams, Robinson Earl, uh, Dort, they have like Dort is not a big guy in terms of his measurements, but he plays big with his defense. Like He's not a liability. So with Oklahoma City, they're building out this team that has, you know, switchability potentially across positions where like we see Boston with what they've done against Miami, where they're playing with elements of zone off ball where they're just like easily swapping matchups. It's like so seamless. They don't worry about who like who's defending certain players because they can all defend you know, players one through five. 
Um, and if Oklahoma City can build something out like that, Dagnall has already proven to be a pretty good coach, really good developmental coach. Uh, I'd be excited with uh, them following this vision. And like, I don't know, I, I, I'd be surprised if this isn't the game plan. Like, don't their past decisions yeah. kind of indicate, Andrew, like this is what Presti's intending to do? Like their their actions speak really loudly to me. Without a doubt. They want versatility. I mean, they they telegraph that with the Poku pick like right out the gate. It's like, we just want guys that can shoot, pass, and dribble, that can defend multiple positions, and that, uh, you know, you, we're not going to box this team in. And some of that I do think is like team building strategy where you don't want to, well, you're purely a point guard. You're purely a center. You can only play this position. I think that just from a team building strategy, you want to stay away from that those kind of guys unless they're generational. And to me, the current NBA just screams like, if you can be versatile and skilled at every position, you are just at a much better place than if you have guys that are either limited defensively or uh, having a traditional center. Like To me, I just want to stay away from traditional centers in the draft period with this team because you can go get those guys. I mean, you think about who are the guys that are going to be available this summer via trade. Like there are, we're already mentioning guys who are at the top of the traditional center list, like Rudy Gobert and DeAndre Ayton, and like these guys that could be had. It's like, well, why are we, why are we drafting somebody at twelve or even at thirty that we could trade for? I mean, even Jared Allen, like the Cavs were just like, yeah, we're, we'll get in here and we'll take him. We want to get in on this trade. They just got Jared Allen, an all-star center. So to me, just I would stay away just because the Thunder have so many assets down the road where a traditional center will be available. In fact, like the best free agent the Thunder have ever gotten is Nerlens Noel, and he's a he was a center. And to me, to use your, I would use the draft assets on players that you can't acquire. You know, mm. the, like good wings, you can't acquire them. You just can't. Teams want to keep those guys. They want to keep all of them. And then free agency, like they're, they're not coming to Oklahoma City. It's just not going to happen. So to me, it's I would take one of these bigs at the top, and then I'm just finding a wing or a versatile player to swing on. And like I like Mark Williams. I think Mark Williams would be a good pro. But I do not want to spend a lottery pick on him. Understandably so there, with adding the guys that you, you, know, you can't get. And I think that kind of you know, brings us... <clears throat> that brings us to Lou Dort, um, who we've talked a little bit about here. He's, you know, 17 points per game last year. Not a great shooter, as you said. It's not like defenses are extremely worried about him. But with Lou Dort, he has a he has an interesting situation coming up this offseason for Oklahoma City because they have until June 29th to exercise his $1.9 million team option. Um, and if they do that, he would become unrestricted in 2023. If they don't pick up that option, he'll be restricted in 2022 this summer. So... By picking it up, you risk losing him for nothing in a year. Uh, what do you think is the better path forward for Oklahoma City, Andrew, given the situation financially with Dort? And do you also view him as kind of a one of those pieces that you potentially move in a big deal? Or do you kind of view him as, you know, in that keeper category and only 23 years old right now? Yeah, I'd be checking the temperature from his agent to see, like, how rich of a deal does he want? If he wants north of 15 think that you have to consider dealing him. Uh, I think the best option, though, for the Thunder is to pick up the option. Give yourself as much financial flexibility as possible in the summer of 2023. You know, the Thunder have shown that if they feel good about a situation, they did this with Jeremy Grant right before they re-signed Paul George and brought Jeremy Grant back. They weren't afraid to do that. They have really, really good relationships with their players. I mean, that cannot be understated. Uh, Lou grew up a Thunder fan. You know, I think Lou loves being here. He loves Shea. He loves this group. He loves Mark. He loves growing with this group. Um, I've interviewed him a few times, and the dude just smiles from ear to ear all the time. Like, I think he really does enjoy being in Oklahoma City. And so, to me, he's also a guy that I think can play in the playoffs. I mean, I have watched a majority of the playoff games and part of it is like just like the straight up analysis of what's going on, on the floor but it's also like okay which players that are on the thunder could actually get into one of these games and not 
you know, wet their pants. And Lou Dort is one of those guys. I think that he can compete. Uh, he competes super hard. He's not afraid to take shots. He's willing to drive to the rim. Uh, he's got a lot of improving to do. But to me, if he if he gets in a simplified role where it's, Lou, you're going to defend the best perimeter player on on the defensive end and then offense, you're going to sit in the corner where he is a, he's a career 40% three-point shooter from the corners. And so if you can simplify his role where it's just corners and attacking closeouts and defending, I think that you actually have a really good player who doesn't have to initiate any offense, doesn't get to take all these shots. So to me, I think you risk it, pick up his option, be flexible in 23. And if you have to pay him 15, then fine. Um, but to me, the Thunder, they're going to have the Kemba Walker deal off the books, the Derek Favors deal off the books. They're going to be insanely mm. flexible financially in 23. I would say just like keep that flexibility, keep your options open, and you know see what Dort looks like with as like the fourth guy on an offense. So with Dort, he's 23. Um, number of other guys on the roster under 25 who have appeal. Baisley at 21, Poku at 20, Trey Mann at 21, Robinson Earl at 21, Teo Maladon at 20. Tyler, of those six names, Baisley, Poku, Mann, Robinson Earl, Dort, Maladon, of those six, you can only keep one. Which one would you be keeping? Man. I don't want to get rid of, I don't want to get rid of my buddy Poku. But Trey Mann's really good at stepbacks, Kevin. I don't know what to do. It, um, <laughs> Tyler, I've got my Poku pack right here. <laughs> Sign. You're gonna really, you're gonna wow. really do that to me. I'm sorry. Don't do that. To I, Poku, think that right, I think that right no now. No one's selling those to me. <laughs> yeah, this is a this is a Poku fanny pack. Wow. Cus, custom made by a shop here locally. Shop good and signed by shop Poku. Good Signed by Poku. Wow. We actually we, we partnered with ShopGood, my, my <laughs> podcast Down to Dunk did. And we um did ads and you know That's promoted funny. this huge Poku event. And it was <laughs> glorious. Are you really gonna yeah. do that, Tyler? Or are you gonna pick someone other than Poku? Is that what's gonna happen here on this podcast? If you told if you told me that I, I gotta pick one of them, Trey Man. Wow! Yeah. As much as I, I mean, it's it's you know, I, I I'll wow. I'll I'll beat myself up about, about this later, and I'll 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 DM him and and ask for you know forgiveness. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know. A tra- Trey just had so much more off the bounce than I realized whenever they took him, and he has a very defined elite skill that is highly sought after in the league right now. And for a team that has next to no shooting, uh, a guy that can, you know, take some pressure off of SGA and Giddy on the perimeter, who's already there, who, you know, we know fits um, and, and, and seems to, uh, um, there seems to be good, you know, chemistry among those three. Um, Poku is just—I don't know—he played kind of good there at the end of the year, didn't he? he a little he bit. He finished strong, man. Last, I don't know. It's last hard to twenty tell. games. It's 12, tell. Twelve points per game. Seven tell. rebounds, yeah. four assists. It, Not whenever, turning the ball over as much. It looked much better. Whenever he's making shots, just everything—he's calmer. Everything is—I mean, it's obviously it's a very simple thing to say, but it's just like I've—I've just, I've been happy that he hasn't looked like a you know, deer on defense, right? Like he's like, he, he, he doesn't, he, you know, he's, he can actually sort of hold his own there. I just, um, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I have all the same concerns everybody else does and still think it could go either, either direction. I don't think he's like cartoonishly bad. Like some people try to make him out to be, you know what I mean? I think that that's just sort of part of the, his nickname is Poku and he's mm-hmm. an odd shaped guy right <laughs> like so i i think part of it is just that um how, how angry does yeah. poku get if they draft chat is he is he offended is he jealous <laughs> they don't play they, they don't they, they don't have the same games like poku's, <laughs> poku's a three like very much chet's not i don't, th- yeah. I don't think that they would be i think poku would be like great finally somebody to screen for me thank god like yes come send me some screen 
<laughs> but uh, no, it's like somebody else to take the pressure off of like everybody telling me to go eat a steak yeah. every day. You know, like they get to talk to him about it now. Leave me alone. You know, at least my at least my butt's a lot bigger than his. Yeah. You know, I get to <laughs> Andrew. Uh, last thing here uh, of those six, um, who are the keepers of those younger guys? Basley, Boku, Man, Robinson Earl, Dort, Maladon. Are any of them like you gotta keep these guys? I think it's Dort I, for sure, and then Tre- I think Trey's right. I think that you you're thinking too much about it, Ty. Like the self creation stuff that he's got off the bounce, yeah. the separation that he can create with like three dribbles is there's not hardly anybody in the league that can do that. And it also seems like that he's got it in him to you know finish at the rim like he can get he can get past guys I, and and like you, yeah. like you were saying earlier kev like you know he's he's not gigantic but he's not small either and and it yeah i i don't know how he'll hold up on defense when you know push comes to shove like we'll we'll mm-hmm. see what happens and, and 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 you know he'll get sought after in the playoffs i'm sure until you know whatever but it's um yeah to have a to have a guy like that who can you know, run your offense against second units if you need him to. Like, I, ideally, you're staggering Giddy and Shea, and it's all whatever. But like, to have a guy like that, because you just can't, you can't be successful in the NBA now unless you have multiple ball handlers, multiple guys who can get shots for themselves or other people. And and you know, when when yeah, these just these one headed monsters just don't. It, they just gotta. It's got to be LeBron level, right? Like it's you know. Even even Luca needs more help than he's got. So it's just I, I, I'm the the people who say who question the Shea Giddy thing like they both need the ball, they both need the ball. Like we, you know, you need multiple team, multiple guys that can handle it. You just have to. Last thing here um, with Oklahoma City, they have all of these draft picks and they can move wherever they want to within 2022. Is there any part of you that thinks that they are compiling all of these picks? for something big in 2023, whether it's something involving all their cap space, trying to accelerate things quickly with free agent signings and a big trade or whatever, or whether it's like going for the big fish in the 2023 draft, Victor Wembanyama, the seven plus foot center, um, who is, you know, already making waves as a generational prospect with his shooting ability. He can do a lot off the bounce. He could be like Gobert as a defender. Uh, Wembanyama looks like the real deal. Um, in 2023, with Oklahoma City, they have you know 387 first round draft picks over the next seven years. They could put all of those on the table if they wanted to. If they have the number three pick next year, and they will say, "Oh, we'll also give you six more first round draft picks for number one." I don't know if a team does that, but they at least have the ammo. Do you guys think that Presti's game here is to be in a position to acquire? The guy that he wants, whoever it is, whatever potential opportunity becomes available, is that is that what he's angling for, or is this just going to be a slow rebuild with a bunch of draft picks? I think it's going to be slow, a slow rebuild Interesting. with a bunch of draft picks. And it's a yeah. lot of moving within drafts then, maybe. Like this year, we'll see what he might do again next year and the year after. Movement within the drafts, like sliding from 12 yeah. and 30 and 34 to get the five or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, the tough thing is like who... Whoever gets this, the first pick in next year's draft, they're just going to laugh every time that they pick up Sam Presti's phone call because they're like, yeah, we're not, I don't care if you like 10 draft picks, like who cares? Like, no, no, thank you. Like, this is what this is all about is acquiring this exact kind of player. And so, you know, I think, I don't think that they're under any impression that the, that those picks allow you to get whatever you want. But to me, to have like the sustainable success that the Thunder want to have, it's got to be a slower rebuild and it's got to be something that, you know, the Thunder feel very certain about before they press go. And it could be as soon as next offseason where they have the 23 draft. They've had, that'll be like their third draft of this rebuild. You've already got Shea, Giddy, whoever you get it to, and whoever you get at five or wherever they're at next year. I think you can feel pretty good about a team then to you know, maybe use a pick to trade for a center or trade for, you know, something else. Uh, but yeah, to me, it's going to be a slow process. I think that that you look at what Sam Hinkie did, um, and I think that Sam wants to carry that out and have the chance to actually let that happen. And so 
Uh, and and he's got the ownership backing. I don't think the league is losing their mind with what the Thunder are doing right now. So I think that he's got like a real shot to actually carry out the process without a Tobias Harris interruption. I'm with Andrew. I, I think it'll be a be a slow roll too. I, I don't I don't think that um, he's gone to these lengths to try to speed the process up all of a sudden. Um, if they traded, you know. If they did trade SGA, then I would think like, oh yeah, the, the, he thinks that Wimbenyama is like Duncan 2.0, and he's it's just all chips on attack. Like I, I gotta have him, you know. But um, yeah, anything other than that, I mean, I'm 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 with Andrew that just like teams aren't trading picks, no matter how many you're going to give them. If you can get a guy like that, and you know you can get him, you know it. it I I don't I don't think that that's. I, I think ultimately what will happen, the, the consolidation of picks, like you say, there will be little, little, you know, mini versions of that to move up in drafts, things like that. Two seconds for a guy at the trade deadline, something like that, whatever. But I think the big time, like, here's, you know, the mother load. I think that's the last thing before they are like, all right, we're competing now. Mm. Like, I think it's like the, like, Phoenix doing the Chris Paul trade. Sure. It's like, okay, yeah. here's our play. This is, here's our, you know, whether he uses all the chips or not, or not, I don't know, but here's all our best chips or whatever. I, I, th- I think that that will come at the end of the rebuild, if that makes sense. I don't know. Totally, I don't, yeah. yeah. L- like it, like mm-hmm. in 26, they have the, uh, the top four protected first from Houston and an unprotected mm-hmm. first from the Clippers. So it's like you're saying the next two, three, four years, it's about kind of those micro movements, targeting the guys that you want. And then in 25 or 26 or 27, when you have some of those picks from the Russ and the George deal still coming in, well, that's the point where it's like, okay, that's the final piece. You'd hope at that point, right? That makes total mm-hmm. sense. You have to allow for like some, you know, one, one of the big time dudes getting pissed and, you know, whatever. He loves Shay and wants to go. You have to allow for that, right? And, the, the, you know, things things change and, 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 you know, maybe it's a situation where the dude is young and it's not so far outside of the timeline that it doesn't make sense in Presti's eyes. And so he does pull the trigger. It's not that it couldn't happen before then. I just don't think that Presti is trying to make any moves in the immediate that would mess with their potential to have a big time blue chip pick. I think that that's what his concern is even if he's going to go try to trade for some young disgruntled dude or whatever oftentimes he's targeting these dudes that were in the top five in the draft and stuff like that like he's a big believer in up there at the top are the types of guys that you want to take chances on and so i i i think yeah i'm all that to say i'm i'm with andrew andrew tyler this was fun thank you guys yeah thanks for asking man yeah man thanks thanks for having me Thanks again to Tyler and Andrew for joining The Void. Thank you to Jesse Lopez for producing it. And thank you to you for listening this entire NBA season. I can't believe it's the NBA Finals already. Coming up on Thursday, I'm fired up. I'll be back on Friday with Chris Vernon, so stay tuned for that. Have a good one.